What's up, Freaks? It's your boy Marty here to introduce this rip of Rabbit Hole Recap. Rabbit Hole Recap 199. Approaching 200. 200 will be next week. We did not announce it in the show. We probably should have, but I think we're going to be fully transitioning over to the new dedicated Rabbit Hole Recap stream. I'm going to do it on Rip 200, Clean Break from the TFTC stream. So, Go search Rabbit Hole Recap in your favorite podcasting app and please subscribe uh, due to the fact that we are breaking it off into a separate stream. That separate stream is brand new. It's raw. doesn't have a lot of attention. doesn't have a, a lot of likes, subscribers, ratings, reviews. Um, so if you guys would be so kind, if you do like the show and you want to support us as we make this transition to a dedicated stream, uh, it would mean a lot to us if you could give us a good rating, write some reviews, help get that dedicated stream off the ground so that it is on par with the TFTC stream in terms of uh, ratings, reviews, attention, and, and spot on the charts. Uh, we love you guys. Thank you for the support. This was a great rip. A lot going on this week. I'm sure a lot of you are are worried. I'm sure a lot of you are hardened. Hodlers already are having a lot of enjoyment out of this chaos. Um, there's a lot to talk about. It was a great rip. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. Love all y'all. Okay. This rip was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. Unchained Capital is here to help you eliminate single points of failure in your custody model and also offer you financial services. Uh, they help you eliminate single points of failure, which are keeping your Bitcoin on an exchange. That's a single point of failure. That exchange goes down loses your Bitcoin, you go into bankruptcy, have to give your Bitcoin to the bankruptcy court. That uh, is not good. That's a single point of failure. Single SIG wallets, also a single point of failure. If you lose that wallet and your backup, and you have Bitcoin in it, you are SOL. Unchained is here with their Vault product, which is a two or three multi-SIG, which you hold two keys, Unchained holds one. You always have full control of your Bitcoin if you have your two keys, but if you're ever in a pinch and only have one, Unchained is there to be the second in the two or three multi-sig quorum to help you move your sats. They have a white glove concierge service that's going to take you from zero to having a vault set up. That includes conference calls, video calls with them. Uh, they're going to send you hardware wallets. They're going to walk you through the process of setting up a vault. And then at the end, this packet, this package includes a thousand cuck bucks worth of sats going into that vault. If you tell them the TFTC sent you, you're going to get $50 off that package. Go to unchained.com to check out not only the vault product, but everything they have going on from their loans uh, to their IRA product to all the incredible educational content they have on their blog. Unchained.com. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains. They're doing incredible things. Team behind Slush Pool, the oldest Bitcoin mining pool in Bitcoin's existence. They're the team behind Brains OS Plus firmware, which allows you to stack more sats with your ASICs because you can produce more hashes. So if you have an ASIC that is compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware and you're not using it, you are leaving sats on the table. It's as simple as that. They have insights.brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-I-I-N-S.com. Uh, if you want to go to insights.brains.com, you'll get a snapshot of everything going on in the mining market, hash rate, difficulty, hash price, hash value, profitability of your mining operation, all that jazz, all in one spot at insights.brains.com. They recently released a farm proxy as well. 
um, which is going to uh, increase the efficiency of your operation uh, and the privacy and security of it as well. Go check out all this at brains, B-R-A-I-I-N-S dot com. This rip was also brought to you by our good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to bring you a lending platform at no KYC, no AML, uh, and it leverages Bitcoin's native multi-sig properties as well. You put Bitcoin up in a two or three multi-sig escrow wallet. You have one key. Your counterparty in the loan has one key and Hoddle Hoddle has a third key. You can't move your Bitcoin during the loan, but you have visibility. So you know it's not being rehypothecated, uh, which is a great thing. If you pay your loan back, uh, you know you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day because you can see that they're there. No KYC, no AML, len.hodlhodl.com. Also, uh, Hoddle Hoddle is bringing back the Baltic Honey Badger Conference this year uh, in Riga, Latvia, uh, one of the most high signal conferences I've ever been to um, in the Bitcoin space. I went in 2019. No, 2018 is when I went. It was incredible. So go to baltichoneybadger.com if you are willing to make the trip to Riga, Latvia, uh, September 3rd and 4th of this year. The content at the Honey Badger Conference is always top notch. I will be there. BalticHoneyBadger.com. New sponsor alert, freaks. We had the CEO, Andy Schoonover, on the show a couple weeks ago. If you haven't checked that episode out, go check it out. But Crowd Health is now an official sponsor of TFTC. It's a great way to help decentralize your healthcare. I'm very happy to be working with CrowdHealth because I do think what they're providing is a very important opt-out opt out option in the healthcare space uh, that is very similar to how we leverage Bitcoin to opt out of the traditional monetary and financial system. So CrowdHealth, what it, and they're incorporating Bitcoin into their services. And that's what we're here to shield today. So you can help decentralize your healthcare you can leverage the power of Bitcoin and healthcare crowdfunding to remove powerful insurance carriers from your healthcare and put decisions about your health back in your hands. CrowdHealth BTC is now accepting memberships starting June 1st and later. So in a few weeks here, you can sign up to get on the list to get uh, on the Bitcoin uh, community on CrowdHealth. Uh, you use the code TFTC during sign up for the first 1,000 members. First thousand freaks that use the code TFTC will receive a discounted membership of $99 a month for the first six months. Go to joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC. That's joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC. That's the landing page we have there. You're going to learn everything, uh, how CrowdHealth works, how they're incorporating Bitcoin, uh, and they have a link to the show with Andy. So if you want to go see that, that is there as well. Uh, and uh, again, I believe this is an incredible service. I'm going to be using it myself. I am using it myself. Uh, I'm opting out of the traditional health insurance industry, uh, for crowd health, because I do think it's a better model. They're going to fight for you as uh, a patient looking for lower healthcare costs. Uh, you're entering a great community and they're going to use Bitcoin, uh, to, to help, uh, lower your long-term healthcare cost. If Bitcoin continues to do what it does, uh, you put, you pay a monthly payment and a portion of that will get converted into Bitcoin and held in the account. And over time, if more people adopt Bitcoin and it continues to go up in value, you are essentially speculative attacking your future healthcare cost. So it's a beautiful thing. Join crowdhealth.com slash TFTC. Enjoy this rip. 
had a, had a hell of a time. Okay. You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free. If you talk about a Fed just gone nuts, all, all the central banks going nuts. So it's all acting like safe haven. I believe that in a world where central bankers are tripping over themselves to devalue their currency, Bitcoin wins. In the world of fiat currencies, Bitcoin is the victor. I mean, that's part of the bull case for Bitcoin. If you're not paying attention, you probably should be. It was a fun, was it 13 years? Bitcoin had a good run there, dude, but it's dead. The, big, the Bitcoin eulogy episode. We're here to reminisce about the open source distributed project that was Bitcoin. Had a nice <laughs> run. It was fun while it lasted. It's been fun doing the show, but it's unfortunate that we're not going to have anything to talk about in the, in the coming weeks, months, years, because Bitcoin is dead. I, I love how we, uh, I mean, like clockwork, we dump and then boom, Bitcoin death mining spiral comes out. <laughs> it's just like, uh, it's always the same shit, man. It's con- it's always the same thing. Oh, let me pull that tweet up. Uh, it's incredible. <laughs> it's, well, it's fun. It's, so it's that. And then have you been getting a bunch of tweets? Like I dumped all my shit coins for Bitcoin. I'm a Bitcoin maximalist now. Uh, yeah, I think most of those are bullshit, right? They're just... Trolls. They know it's like easy, easy engagement farming. It's like bait, yeah. Yeah. So this, like, uh, I I find that hard to believe. Here, I'll put. But maybe, definitely, like, obviously, bear cycles, mint, mint, uh, bitcoiners, right? Like, people realize why Bitcoin is different than everything else in the market. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Um, But usually, it takes a. I mean, it takes a little bit longer. Like right now. Right now, people are just like crying in a corner, and then like it takes them a couple months to like come back in. We were joking. Like Bitcoin spiral stuff is is clockwork. Bitcoin's not dead. I just hope you all know we're we're going to be here next week and the following weeks <laughs> and, and years. Even if even if Bitcoin goes to zero, we'll have a rabbit hole recap that that week. Yeah. Um, no, but it is funny how cyclical all this is and like exuberance. I feel very calm in all this because it's just like hilarious to see it again. But yes, Dirty Texas Hedge, at Hedge Dirty on Twitter, tweeted out earlier this morning, the truly interesting Bitcoin failure case is not price falls, paper hands get liquidated. The intricate, interesting Bitcoin failure case is price falls for far below break-even mining costs becoming totally illiquid because there aren't enough miners to clear transactions. Is this an Ari, uh, an Ari Paul? Or not Ari Paul, what the hell is Ari's last name? Is it Paul? Uh yeah, yeah. Is this thing? He's, he's, he's had me blocked. He's had me blocked for three years now. I forgot the guy existed until you just mentioned it. This might be his burner account. Does he still tweet? I don't know. I think he might have blocked me too. I forgot about that dude until you just mentioned him. Right. Nostalgia. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty sure it's Ari David Paul, right? Ari D Paul. I think so. I've had a, I had him on the TFTC series back in like 2017, 2018. And he told me Bcash was going to flip in Bitcoin. I was like, I should probably not have had you on the on the show. But that was off air. That was off air. Just leaked some alpha there. But I think the I just leaked some alpha four <laughs> years later. After <laughs> Bcash is basically zero. Oh well, that actually I saw that the the Bcash uh, BTC pair is at an all time low. It's like point oh oh eight. It's not even one percent. 
insane. Yeah. Uh, well, if you're Always new, inevitable. if you're new to Bitcoin, quote unquote, crypto in the space, welcome to the chaos. I mean, it's funny. I was actually looking for the clip. I didn't have time to clip it out yesterday, but we did have like a little reminiscing or not a remnant, you know, like a little powwow at some point in the episode where we're like, yeah, this consolidation is really weird. It's going to rip one way or the other. It ripped down. <laughs> oh, last, <laughs> last week, right? Yeah. 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 We made a really bold call that the volatility was ending and the volatility <laughs> was coming and we were just going to go one way or the other. Yeah. It went down. Um, where, where is it right now? According to Clark's dashboard. Cause what were we at last week? Were we at like 40? No, we were at like 36 or something like that. And then like what the bottom tick last night was like 25 or something, 26. High 24s in some exchange. We had, I was literally, I was with 250 Bitcoiners at uh, Nash Bitcoiners last night. I had, none of us had any idea that that was happening while it was happening. Like I didn't even realize the dump happened until this morning. Yeah. Well, dump happened. It was fun. It was actually one of the more exciting Twitter nights, uh, Bitcoin Twitter nights in a while. Everybody was going nuts. Uh, Obviously, a lot of questions about what was driving the dumping. We're going to talk about some of the theories. I mean, obviously, the biggest one is that that Luna stablecoin, Terra stablecoin, uh, was was the main driver, which could be true. But um, there's a lot of other stuff going on in the world too. I think it's contributing. Um, Marty, I got to yeah. There's tons of the macro scene. Like look at the stocks. Like I haven't looked at CNBC, but I imagine they're fucking freaking out. I mean, there's like stocks that are down ninety percent, ninety five percent. Yeah, uh, trading like shit coins, Marty. I met I met your owl last night. Oh, you did. Have you ever met Marty's owl? I did. I met him in Miami, I believe. That was pretty exciting. I forget where I met him. The first time I met him, I met him in the last few. It was either Miami or Austin. Was it somewhere else. Where did I meet him? No, I met him at the um, in Texas. Did he call you? No, he didn't. He did, uh, we shook hands. Um, I believe I met him. One of the owls. There may be m- multiple Marty's owls. Um, well, there's a Marty's pigeon too. Yeah, that guy's a pigeon. Um, the pigeon is a, is a far inferior bird to the owl. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mike Tyson. Uh, the official price of Bitcoin, according to Clark's dashboard, we've come up from the lows that were hit last night and who knows this may not be a low for this cycle uh the current price is twenty nine thousand two hundred seventy five cuck bucks one cuck buck is going to get you three thousand four hundred and sixteen sats first rabbit hole recap where it's been above three thousand in quite some time you're currently at block height seven hundred thirty six thousand ninety two well we had a difficulty adjustment i believe it was yesterday yeah yes yeah it was yesterday it was an upwards adjustment of four point nine percent that's because blocks are coming in at nine minutes and 32 seconds on average we are 1764 blocks away from the next retarget which is estimated to be on may 24th which is 12 days from today uh, and that is right now estimated to be a 1.4 percent upward adjustment blocks are coming in at nine minutes and 53 seconds since the last adjustment yesterday a lot of transactions at clark's dashboard or mempool right now as one would expect with all this volatility, it's currently sitting at 48,495 transactions. Fees have gone up. I was peeped at my um, block clock yesterday when I was in here. Uh, they're creeping up towards uh, 10 million sats 
so per block over I, the last uh, 2016 blocks. I'm like 95% sure that Binance dumped a shit ton of UTXOs in mempools to just, you know, slow the dump down. Well, I was talking to Ryan Gentry yesterday, I believe, and I think it is confirmed that it was Binance that did slam the mempool, whether or not. Right. I, 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 I they're, saying no, it's uh, consol- they're saying it's consolidation, right? But if people are having trouble sending Bitcoin to exchanges, then it slows down everything. Yeah, that's a very good theory. Is that I your mean, theory? DZ is very fucking... Shrewd. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was what I first thought when I saw the Binance thing happen. When I saw Binance dumped all... Because the- they're saying it's consolidation, which we talked about last... Uh, we talked about last week because they did it last week as well. So it could just be that. Um, but uh, forget, someone said it on Twitter too and it confirmed my bias. And now I'm saying it out loud. Well, that was, that was my first thought was that. Uh, wouldn't shock me in the least bit. Laurent said it on uh, Twitter. It would not shock me in the least bit. Um, there are currently 4,000 674.52 Bitcoin in Samurai's Whirlpool unspent capacity. All-time high. All-time high. Unspent value in Cuckbuck terms is not at an all-time high. It's at 137.9 million. Uh, another interesting uh, stat that I want to bring up is hash price because that's been cratering, as you would imagine, price dumping. Difficulty rising uh, hash price is all the way down to 12 cents. I believe that's uh, the lowest point since November of 2020, which um, had like a Bitcoin price of like 16,000. But obviously, uh, difficulty was in hash rate was about half of where it is now or a little less than half of where it is now. Um, Yeah, so we haven't had this low of a hash price since uh yeah like october november of 2020 um so it's tough out there to be a miner luckily i mean fees are going up which is nice to see if you're a miner and you're worried about revenue but uh price dumping difficulty rising and hash rate continuing to rise as i mentioned on the dashboard it seems like as of now we're gonna have another upward adjustment uh on may 24th so it's getting tighter out there for the mining industry, which is um, blood on the streets, a lot of blood on the streets. You want to talk about stocks that are way down? You see the mining stocks getting fucking hammered. MicroStrategy got hammered, and then all the mining public mining stocks got hammered. Yeah, Coinbase. What Coinbase IPO to like four hundred dollars a share and was trading at like forty something today. Yeah, yeah. I think they're like something like eighty-five to ninety percent down from their IPO price, which was their all-time high. They've been brutal. Dumping. I think they may have had one up one day where their stock traded higher than their IPO price. Um, and then did you see Coinbase like change their, um, they changed like their wording about what happens to your, your Bitcoin with them if they go through bankruptcy? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's on the list, right? So we start with that. I mean, what's on the list is that they lost a shit ton of money in quarter oh. one. They lost. $430 million in quarter one. It's a lot of money to lose. Yeah, but another, I mean, obviously I wrote about it in the bent on Tuesday. Coinbase came out. Uh, people were scouring their 
their S1 filings, their financial report, and a lot of analysts pointed out that they had changed uh, particular language in that those reports that basically said, hey, uh, just want to make all of our retail users aware if we go into bankruptcy proceedings, uh, the the bankruptcy court in the state ha- may, ha- and again, they're very specific with the language, could, there's a potential that they could have first rights to the Bitcoin that you believe you own. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's mostly a non-story. I mean, not your keys, not your coins. Uh, if one of these exchanges goes bankrupt, you're fucked. Like, it doesn't really matter what's in the, like, people still haven't gotten their Mount Gox shit from 2014. Um, and then like every time these, ex- if, if these exchanges go belly up, you just don't, what's the other one? Like Quadriga, no one got anything from Quadriga. Well, that yet. guy just fucking took all the coin around, right? Or he died and yeah. they couldn't just, access it. Especially in like high volatility times like this, it's more important than ever that you're, you, you're not very exposed to custodial services. This is where like services really, um, where the ones that are being run poorly get exposed and, and they don't have enough to cover their, their, their responsibilities, their liabilities. Um, so, so during these chaotic periods, it's even more important that you're, you're using your own, you're holding your own keys, ideally using your own note, but at least holding your own keys. Um, yeah. I mean, if there was ever, if you haven't been woken up, to the fact that you should be getting your Bitcoin off the exchanges. This week should be a jarring reminder, hopefully incite some action that that gets you to spin up your own wallet, control your own private keys, and send that Bitcoin from an exchange to, to a wallet yeah. that you control. Um, but, Car, I put Brian Armstrong's thread in. That didn't make me... That shouldn't no. make anybody feel any better. So, no. so much worse. I mean, you saw that you had to see the memes going around of it just like <laughs> reminded people of Roger Ver when he got on camera and was... Uh, oh, everyone should go watch that if they haven't if yeah. it's before their time. He was... When uh, he had the gun to his head. Yeah, he was trying to make calm markets and, and tell everybody that, that Mount Cox was not insolvent when in fact it was extremely insolvent. <laughs> as insolvent <laughs> um, as something could be. But uh, in terms of, oh, I put that in the wrong. There's going to be people on Telegram like, why the hell did you send me Brian Armstrong's thread? Um, Who'd you send it to? <laughs> a group of friends. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Brian Armstrong basically took to Twitter. Obviously, there was a lot of speculation when these analysts sort of spilled the beans that they changed their wording in the 10Q section of their financials. And, and Brian basically came out and said, hey, um, we had to make this change due to SEC regulations that are forcing us to get more specific with our language. We're not insolvent, which is leads people to believe like, all right, is this a Roger Ver moment? And then Brian Armstrong's claiming that prime and custody customers, which are more of their cold storage custody solutions are not affected by this particular language. They have more... Only uh, the plebs get fucked. Yeah, only the retail traders, but he assures, <laughs> assuring all the retail traders that uh, they're... Coinbase is working to bring those same security and ownership assurances to their retail clients, which I find extremely hard to believe, considering the nature of the shitcoin casino that is Coinbase and trying to do that across hundreds of coins uh, from an engineering perspective alone just doesn't seem viable. 
Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but um, yeah, this is one of those canary in the coal mines that should incite action in, in any individual who's holding Bitcoin. Well, you're technically not even holding, you have an IOU to Bitcoin on Coinbase and shouldn't only be Coinbase if you have it on Cash App, River, well, I, yeah. any of these what exchanges. What I would say is, like, I mean, obviously, I mean, Coinbase can go fuck themselves. People should learn self-custody, especially now out of, out of all moments. Um, so they should, like, they should heed this as a warning if, if for whatever reason they're still holding funds on Coinbase. But I mean, I, I think we kind of have to talk about this this Terra blow up and unwind of this shitcoin. Oh, I can't um, wait to talk about and, it. And if if you're if we go down if we go down that rabbit hole of this thing, um, there's a lot of other services that are not Coinbase that are way more exposed, like services that we've never Celsius. talked about on air because I don't want anyone to ever use, like Celsius or Nexo, um, even even stuff like BlockFi, like a lot of these lending services and stuff are all in these yield schemes where they're, um, where they're like trying to harvest shitcoin yield. And that's what they pay you as your interest. If you keep Bitcoin with them. Um, so there's a very good chance that a lot of those are completely underwater. Yeah. Yeah. I would not be surprised. I mean, you're, you you see like a cascading unwinding of this, intertwined risk that exists in crypto. I mean, and we'll talk about it from the macro perspective too. It's not only in crypto, we're seeing it in traditional markets as well, stock and real estate specifically. But I yeah, just I mean, don't understand how how there was so much fucking money in this like 20% shitcoin yield scheme. Like what are these fucking people thinking? They're fucking insane. They're high time preference greedy. They're trying to get the those gains, bro. Yo, Doquan, he said we were going to get more coins than Satoshi. Oh my, his tweets have aged so fucking poorly. <laughs> well, let's get like so let's get into this because Okay, let's let's explain what the fuck happened to the best so of our ability. So we've mentioned Terra. I remember the first time it like it, it popped on our radar. I was like what cuz like Udi and like some of the uh right. the interchain interoperable the shitcoin apologists were all saying that, like, we should, as Bitcoiners, we should be rooting for Terra. Yes. And so basically, they were buying what, a shitcoin of Bitcoin. Yeah. What Terra tried to do, I believe, I tried, I think they, they tried to spin up an algorithmic stable coin, UST. So US, it's very confusing because Tether's USDT, but UST yeah, is and Terra. It's not treasuries either. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's not treasuries either. So they tried to create the stable coin in the way. Uh, so there's three aspects to it. You have the stable coin, you have the Bitcoin in the treasury, and then you have this associated token, Luna. Yeah, you have uh, the shit coin attached to it. Yeah. Um, so it's like it's, there's three moving parts for the Bitcoin in the, the treasury, the Luna, which is the associated staking token or whatever, and then the stable coin that the comes The token out. that Novo got a tattoo of. Yes. So let's, yeah. Um, so I believe it launched like fall of last year. So I'm going to come out and say it straight up. I think this is like a government psyop. It's like too perfect how this shit show. I think it was a government psyop. I think it was, dude. So I mean, look, let let crazy uncle Marty, Marty Jones go for a little bit here. I mean, it's just too perfect. Like it came out of nowhere, developed all this crazy 
attention. Like people started, funds started throwing money into it. Novo got a tattoo. Novo sits on the New York Federal Reserve uh, Financial Open Markets Committee, which is, uh, and then you had Janet Yellen come out on Tuesday and named Terra specifically as a reason why you need to thrust more regulation on this. Like the way it blew up or it came up and then blew up is just, it was, it's so quickly. Nope. It, it's just, it, it got too much attention too fast. So your, your, your evidence for it being a government psyop is that shit corners are greedy and short-sighted. Well, and, and then the fact that <laughs> Janet Yellen, like well, dude, it blew up magnificently. Like, of course she's well, going to fucking that, At that point, it wasn't even like a terrible blow up. Yesterday was a terrible blow or it went below like a dollar and below a cent. Um, and she, Look, I wouldn't be surprised if some people that are very well connected in the financial ecosystem blew it up, but that doesn't mean they created it to blow it up. I don't know. It's like too, you have, you have, you it's have too perfect of a narrative for regulation to come in. You have greedy shit coiners who, so the scheme, the way the scheme was set up was that Luna, you could burn Luna, that you remove Luna from supply, the shit coin, and you could get US, you could get this, the, the quote unquote, stable coin, the, the Terra, right? So the way it was designed was if all things were going well, as more people use Terra, as more people switch to that as a stable coin, Luna pumps as a result because you have less and less supply. Also, while you hold Luna, you get 20% yield on it. So you get an insane yield. So the shit corners fucking loved it. It was this idea of creating... They love stable coins, quote unquote stable coins, and they could have an attached token to it that not only gave them yield, but was designed to pump forever aggressively. But what happened was they ended up in an extremely vulnerable position and someone or a group of people that had, ver this is my feeling here, that had, that had the bankroll to do it, borrowed a shit ton of Bitcoin, and they fucking blew this thing up and made billions of dollars. Well, I mean, so you want to get into like, so the theory is that actors, actors like Citadel and other Wall Street. BlackRock officially houses. denied it today. Yeah, BlackRock and Citadel officially denied it. So the, the did rumor, Citadel officially? I just saw BlackRock did. I thought I saw Citadel did. I could be wrong. But the, the theory is that um, these guys borrowed like something like 25,000 or 100,000 Bitcoin. 100,000 Bitcoin from Gemini was from, the rumor. Yeah, and they used that to take large positions in this Lunaterra algorithmic stablecoin bullshit and they basically collapsed the price and shorted it on the way down. Um, yeah, the borrow itself is the short. Then they buy the Bitcoin back when it's down below and they end up making a couple billion dollars in the process. They prop up their there are other stable coins, you know, BlackRock's in USDC, um, and they bring in a bunch of government regulation as a result. But that, like that, that part makes sense to me. I just think this guy Duquan or whatever was a greedy shitcoiner and just put himself in a vulnerable situation. Like I don't think the government built this shitcoin just to blow it up. That I seems can, a little far fetched to me. Shitcoiners are always doing this kind of shit. I could see that theory. But the way again, the way it came up and blew up so quickly, and Novo it's getting beautiful. tattoos. Novo always gets stupid tattoos, though. Like this is not evidence. This is just I Novo. Don't know. That seems too perfect for me. Hey, I'll take my tinfoil hat off now, and I, I will concede that that's a good theory as well. You just play the incentives. 
And yeah, I mean, what does that say if that's the case? Like how, what's the market cap? I didn't read the market cap. So the market cap of Bitcoin right now is a hundred uh, or excuse me, 558.1 billion. Um, and that's another reason, by the way, not to, you know, lend your coins with these services is yeah, because then they, then they lend them out to, to, to people <laughs> who just try and destroy Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. If you, are a moon boy want the price to go up and you have your coins on exchange you're you're playing yourself you need to take that liquidity away from these centralized providers who are rehypothecating those coins to institutional players that seem to have entered the game again it's theory blackrock denied it i think citadel denied it but yeah but if it wasn't them it was someone like that right like a smaller blackrock or citadel that they like they had had some quants they like looked at the shit they're like, oh fuck, they're super vulnerable. Like the macro climate is a mess right now. Like liquidity is 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 not looking great. And let's just fucking do it. And they with minimal risk. Like what? Like if like the the real risk is they try and do this, and then the Bitcoin price r- rips to the upside. But because of the macro situation, they were pretty much insulated from Bitcoin ripping hard to the upside. So you just fucking do this trade. You make and you make some easy easy billions. Yeah. And I have to say, like, you know, this is this is what free markets are about. Like, this is an adversarial environment. Like, if if your project is vulnerable to this, um, that's not market manipulation. That is just open market participation, and yeah. and and you will be crushed if if that vulnerability is there. A lot of people got crushed. There's a lot of lunatics out there. It's funny that that's the the word that they ran with too. And it wasn't just like retail. Like there's fucking, do you see like the list of crypto VCs? It's like a who's who, like Polychain, Blockchain.com, Arrington Capital, Block Tower, Kakao, Pantera, Galaxy Digital, Coinbase, Ventures. High time preference. Yeah, no, I mean, Frank, uh, I forget his last name from the block. He tweeted out last night that uh, a few funds blew up because of this. I don't know specifically. I which think a ones. lot. Of, there's going to be like a lot of contagion or whatever. Like we're going to see the after effects of this for months. Yeah. There's thinking? people probably like scrambling right now in the background trying to do things to save yeah. themselves. Three yeah. arrows, I think, was super exposed, and they've been notoriously resilient. I mean, it just goes back to like that. This whole thing is just a massive game of survival, right? Yeah. And I mean, play most stupid, people don't make it. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. This is why we've been preaching DCA, sweep the cold storage, stay humble, stack sats. I mean, it's comparative. I mean, Bitcoin's at 558 billion. It seems like a lot of money, but compared to the overarching financial system, that's uh, a drop in the bucket. And if these institutional players are going to come in with all the capital they have and the leverage they have access to, they don't even need that much capital per se they can use leverage like they can fuck you and i mean i it just goes to show like how resilient bitcoin is i mean it's pretty impressive that like you know global markets are cratering everywhere um and then you have this massive quote-unquote stable coin shit coin blow up um and Bitcoin is still, you know, I, I just handled it pretty well, all things considered. The blocks still come in, you know, everything is... I'm surprised we're hovering around 29 right now. I mean, I tweeted out yesterday, it definitely jinxed it. I knew as soon as I tweeted, I was like, we're dumping. I was like, yeah. It was, 
Like, honestly, I'm surprised about the resiliency. That's what happened, right? Yeah. But we're back about right at the price where I tweeted that. So, um, I mean, March 2020, what happened? We went from like 10K to 3,300 or something. I mean, the one day move is like something like 775 to 32 or something like that. Um, we're down, I believe, like 30, or we were at some point last night down like 35% this month. Um, probably in the last week because the Collins consolidation that ensued or ensued or proceeded. That's the right word. Um, yeah. So it's, it's wild out there, but it's, it's funny like watching this from the sidelines and haven't seen it so many times. I mean, the Luna Terra charts are just like your, your stereotypical 2013 pre-mined altcoin pump and dump and if you're out there, if you're listening to this, you're new to TFTC, you're new to RHR, or maybe you've been around for a while and you've been skeptical about what we've been preaching in terms of everything else being noise and extremely risky, and you learn that lesson, hopefully you only have to learn it once. I believe it's the best way to learn the lesson, free markets kicking your dick in. Um, and if, if you did learn a hard lesson over the last week, lick your wounds. I'm sure it hurts, but... Blocks are going to continue to be produced. Bitcoin's going to still be here. It's not dead. Uh, and you have the ability to, to learn from that, move on. We're not dead yet. Not yet. Are they going to kill us? Who knows? <laughs> also, the, like I feel for Bitcoiners that have uh, collateralized loans right now. Yeah. Hand up on one of them. It's been... Uh, it's, I came pretty close to doing one near the top. Yeah. My mind was like, nah, I'm going to stay humble and rent. I'm lucky I didn't do one near the top. Um, but no, I'm, 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 I've got sufficient funds in the collateral. But no, it is for anybody who does not have a sufficiently collateralized loan. I can imagine how stressful the last couple of days has been. Yeah. And consider over collateralizing like extra amounts right now because like yeah. we are in that zone where like all of a sudden there's like a $15,000 drop. So like that is in the cards. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> try, try and drive it. I would drive it down. You don't want to go to bed and just have like a fucking massive, massive dump while you're sleeping. So. Yeah. The, um, not financial advice, but I would drive that margin down. It's as not financial. It's just life advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What else? Fuck, man. What else? I mean, I will say that this, uh, it's that's what that's what so like all right so now let's this is one of the most exciting shitcoin collapses that i've ever witnessed and i've witnessed so many shitcoin collapses yeah i mean just because of the caliber of the assholes who were pumping it it was just and like, just the, like the like this was like just the scale the sheer scale <laughs> like a whole new paradigm of shitcoinery that we've entered well that's that's actually interesting you bring that up the massive scale they had what a hundred and they had hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin, right? Did they get over 200,000? What? Wait, Terra? And, yeah. 50,000. 50,000. Oh. We don't even know if they sold that Bitcoin, by the way. The rumor is that they took collateralized loans on it on the OTC markets and then used the dollars to try and defend the peg. Which means that they're going to get margin. That means that we could go it much lower. It could be worse. Yeah. It could get worse. 
or, or they might have sold it. I don't know. Like, there obviously there's not that much transparency there, but my understanding is that they might have just taken out collateralized loans. Yeah. Well, due to the sheer scale, that's from both assumptions. Assumption one being that they did liquidate their Bitcoin to support the peg, and that liquidation is behind us. You mentioned Celsius and other types of lender. Like, are they anywhere near the scale that this was at? Like what? That's why I'm. I've been trying to think of like, all right, if Celsius goes down, if Nexo goes down, if a BlockFi goes down, like, dude, what? I think way more people are using this shit than we can comprehend. Like, yeah. I just don't. I just it's hard. It's hard for me to. I, it gets shilled all over the place. I mean, you know, you have like people like Bitboy Crypto and shit who have like a million followers on YouTube, and he's just like pouring retail people into Nexo and fucking shit. Um, not only do I think a lot of retail are using them, Celsius and Nexo and like crypto.com and shit, but I think a lot of these so-called like financial professionals, like venture funds and hedge funds, like how many hedge funds were in the 20% shitcoin Luna trade to get 20% yield? Like that's a straight degen trade. Like how, how are you deploying you know, tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars into that fucking shitcoin trade just blows my fucking mind. So if you start like, I like Celsius, like they're trying to make yield for their customers so they can say to the customers, you know, you give us Bitcoin and we'll give you 10% on your Bitcoin or whatever. And then they need to go and get higher than 10% in order to give those people the 10%. So then they go to Luna and they get the 20%. And then they take a 10% VIG off the top and then they give their customers the remaining 10%. And the whole thing just fucking cascades down. They're all the way out on the risk curve, like off the screen. Like that's how far out they're going. Car, I put a tweet in our, our group chat. But yeah, I mean, GMI, I forget what it stands for, but it's Rao Pyle uh, is behind it, the co-founder of that fund. You gonna make it? No, he did not make it. He's He, he did not make it. <laughs> No, but isn't that what GMI stands for? Oh, yeah, but it's something else in uh, yeah. the context of Ralph Hell's investment company. Pull up the screenshots. Yeah, it says, dude, Remy, Tetat. Um, like, it's crazy. These people are institutional investors. They're supposed to be smart and risk-averse and understand the intricacy of these financial these products on these crypto chains. And he came out, and for those of you listening at home, he said, like many of you, I've been wiped out. I'm not going to lie. It hurts. I lost 100% of my capital invested in crypto. I didn't sell one Luna on the way down to not add selling pressure in this <laughs> stressful time. There's a lot to discuss, but I need to digest dude. it all at first. I hope my fellow lunatics are doing okay. I truly feel for you. None of us deserve this, but here we are. I mean, you did deserve it. Thank you. You guys got greedy. You got extremely risky with your capital. You caught a uh, in, uh, the bug of a megalomaniac and this dude Daquan you, you got caught up in a big clout chase and you you got burned for it so uh, GMI stands for global macro investor okay there we go thank it's you one. Jim Jim F for your contribution in the chat who's our your fiduciaries I mean it, it's indicative of just the insane environment they should name their next fund ngmi <laughs> <laughs> but again this is indicative of just the insane environment that we're in 
2022, not only in quote unquote crypto, but just the broader financial system. Like, again, we, we've been mentioning the macro landscape, but that is extremely precarious as well. And I would argue, yes, the Luna blow up if they were selling Bitcoin probably did put downward pressure on the price. But I also think in traditional financial markets and in, in the stock market, bond markets, real estate markets, uh, with the Fed raising rates, inflation staying elevated, GDP going negative, you're, you're finding uh, traditional markets in a extremely precarious situation where people are selling assets to fill margin or simply selling assets yeah. to live because prices are going up so high. And so that's what I wrote about yesterday in the bent um, was just the interconnected risk that exists in the system and crypto and then beyond and the traditional system is so perverse and so large that it's going to be a tough summer. I mean, we've, we've been posturing like that for months now, but now the hens are coming home to roost. And so Tor Demeester uh, found a couple of screenshots from Reddit and Facebook of individuals that uh, are overexposed in the traditional system. And, and I think these aren't just two one-off anecdotes. I think a lot of this has happened over the last two years, specifically where you had the shutdown of the global economy in March 2020. Obviously, the Fed and the Treasury put on the money printers and the, the, the money helicopters, dropped a bunch of money into people's bank accounts, lowered interest rates so they could get access to loans. Uh, you had people buying a bunch of houses because they were moving out of the cities because of the lockdowns and they were able to work from home, didn't have to be in cities. Uh, any excess disposable income that individuals had because they weren't able to spend money as they otherwise would if the economy weren't under lockdown. They were pushing into stocks. The Fed was printing money. The Wall Street investors were playing that trend. And so you had obviously the stock markets go parabolic over the last two years. Uh, and the two anecdotes that Tor pulled up were individuals who had used their stock portfolios or equity in, in company, publicly traded companies, as collateral for home loans. And so you have like a, this perfect shitstorm that started in March of 2020, where you had the economy shut down, money printer go on, interest rates go down, people buying real estate, dumping money into stocks. And at the same time, because of the lockdowns, you had the supply chains beginning to grind to a halt and and the things that we actually need, fuel, food, raw materials to build and products that we use throughout the economy, that, that started breaking down then. And so like over the course of the last two years, you've had these two trends moving in parallel where financial assets, real estate assets are having a shit ton of money poured into them. Um, and then you had the supply chain disruptions, which is leading to less goods getting to market, which you, economics 101, supply, demand, less supply, static or increased demand is going to increase prices. And so you have inflation running hot. And then the Fed earlier this year has to react to hot inflation by increasing interest rates. When you increase the federal funds rate, which is the rate at which banks trade their overnight reserves, they need to cover the cost of that interest rate going up. So then they go out into the products that they offer retail investors, mainly mortgages, and they adjust the rates there so that they can cover the, the rates that they're paying on their overnight reserves. And so you had all this money flowing into these assets, people thinking they were rich on paper. They were rich on paper. They're making significant gains in their real estate. There are people refreshing Zillow, seeing the real estate value go up 
every day, refreshing their Robinhood, seeing their stock portfolio going up every day. They thought they were rich. Some people may have taken money off the table, but most people probably did not. And then you get to the point over the last three months where the Fed's raising rates because inflation's running hot. And that has an effect on mortgage prices, mortgage rates. If you have an adjustable rate mortgage, most of those lenders are going to increase that mortgage rate, uh, which is going to make your monthly payment higher significantly, depending on the price of your home. And at the same time, higher interest rates too means that the stock market game isn't going on. So the stocks start dumping because of the interest rates and then probably as well, people taking money off the table to actually buy gas and food. And then those stocks start dumping and you have those stocks as collateral for your house and the value of your collateral collapses <laughs> and you, you don't own your house anymore. The, the bank comes to you and says, your collateral is insufficient. Like you cannot keep this mortgage. And so this is what's playing out right now. We have this beautiful shit show of easy, easy money, supply chain crisis, intertwining the financial assets of the stock market with the real estate assets, people thinking they were rich. And then as soon as interest rates go up, markets go to shit, commodities prices rise and stocks tank. Like it's all a fugazi. It's fugazi, fugazi. It was a mirage. You did not have any of that wealth. It evaporated over, I think something like $40 trillion of wealth has been evaporated in the last three weeks. And like to bring it back to Bitcoin, when when people get into this situation, whether it's with shit coins or whether with stocks or whatever other positions they have, um, they'll often sell Bitcoin to cover those positions, uh, specifically in the crypto sp context. Like if 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 a fund, a major fund, is taking massive shitcoin losses um, to cover their ass, they will try and cover that with with Bitcoin and sell some Bitcoin. Um, so you have this knock-on effect. Yes. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're in the thick of it right now, freaks. Like this is, I don't think it's over by any stretch of the imagination. I'm going to put another um, link in our chat. You heard it here first. Marty's calling Pete Clown World. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I was actually at Parker in here the other day and we were talking about like, all right, what's the indicator that is going to signal to us that the Fed is going to have to act and reverse course on interest rate hikes. Um, actually, I saved it on my Google Finance. So, um, You think they're going to keep raising? Well, so that's what, they will until something breaks. And what's got to break is the credit markets. Uh, and so Parker um, said to me that he's looking at this high-yield corporate bond ETF and car zoom out to the five-year um, the five-year. And then, so, all right. So if you pull that up, we're looking at the iShares, iBox, high-yield corporate bond ETF, which tracks high-yield corporate debt, obviously. And so looking at this chart, you can see, obviously, in March of 2020, when this index, where car is right now, if you pull it away from the price car, um, it, it went straight down. And so that this is an indicator that you should probably be watching closely not until it spikes down with that free fall that it did in March 2020 will the Fed step in and reverse course because that signals that credit markets have completely broken. Lending is not happening. Money is not moving. And so as you can see, if you're watching on the screen and you can see the chart of this index, right? it's certainly fallen precipitously over the last few weeks, but it has not hit that free fall trajectory 
that, that free fall that's slope. not considered a free fall yet. Right? Not yet. It's got to spike down. So I would keep an, an eye on this. No, I wouldn't want to ski down that hill. No. Um, but I would keep a hot, an eye on this index. It looks like, so uh, honestly, it looks like it's going to break in the next week or two. If it continues it looks like a fucking trend. cliff. Yeah. So <laughs> I think I imagine in the next week or two, this will break credit markets will be completely defunct and the fed will have to reverse course, probably intra meeting, um, lower rates. Tell them. I just tell, don't think they have the balls to continue to crash the whole economy right now. Or like crash what's left of the economy which is like these shells of assets yeah that are heavily inflated yeah it's like people a, are watching there i know we keep laughing but like I, you gotta laugh in these situations uh but like people are losing their entire retirements right like they're the one thing that we're keeping people going like small businesses got closed our rights were trampled on inflation was high but like the one people that one thing that kept people going was like number go up on their real estate and number go up on their stocks, you know, and you fuck with that. And yeah. the whole charade just fucking. Well, that's, well, so that's, an, apparent. so that's another thing I, I said last night, that's a scary part about this cascading doom loop that we find ourselves in. It starts with people selling stocks because the, the easy money trade has ended. Then it starts with people selling. Then it goes to people selling stocks because uh, they need to cover margin. Then it goes to people having to liquidate stocks because they use it as collateral for these real estate loans. And then you have a laggard effect of the boomers looking at their retirement accounts and saying, holy shit, this is evaporating. I'm going to liquidate into cash just to ensure that I have somewhat of a nest egg that I can depend on. And that creates like a further cascading of the doom loop. And Mandibles. <laughs> Stack 10,000 sets. Marty, have you read Mandibles yet? No, not yet. I haven't had time to read a book in a while. Car, have you read Mandibles yet? I haven't downloaded the Kevin Lynch yet. <laughs> Car has it downloaded. Get uh, it done, Car. I will. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're going to, it's everything is going to be okay in the long run, but. It's going to be pretty fucked up in the short to medium term. I mean, did you, did you see Coinbase's <laughs> Coinbase's shareholder letter? They're like, we lost, you know, half a billion dollars, um, like yada yada yada, and they ended at the end with we we are going to make it. W a g m i. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to make it. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if Coinbase gets bust. I'll just say that. I'd be so if I was a shareholder, I'd be so fucking pissed off. You lost <laughs> a half a billion dollars. Your stocks in the fucking tank, and you you end it with W A G M I. Yeah, I mean, it's just again indicative of the idiots running the show right now. Um, yeah, somebody uh, at Chris underscore Sathos just tagged me in a tweet from Stack Hoodler, Stack Hodler on Twitter. Uh, liquidity issues in repo. Credit markets are the number one thing that can force the Fed to reverse course in the short term. Recent reports said the risk of a sudden significant deterioration appears higher than normal. Something to watch. So repo markets, um, which makes sense because the repo markets are where uh, it's another overnight trading desk where people try to get enough margin to uh, support a lot of these high yield bond trades and stuff like that. So yeah, re a repo market would be another indicator to look at. Um, yeah, it's very, I mean, God, we're going to laugh throughout all of this because you have to laugh at the absurdity of it all. But you have like diesel shortages on the East Coast, 
appearing, you know, food shortages, baby formula shortages. It's shit is hitting the fan. We're, we're in the middle of it. And that, I guess that's one thing you can take solace in is that we're in the middle of it. We're here, we're breathing, we're talking, we're meeting. Um, and, and things haven't gotten terribly bad yet. But it, like I said, many times in the past, like we cannot keep doing the same thing over and over again. Like the Fed will step in, it will begin printing money. But that's, again, during a stagflationary environment where GDP is falling while inflation's still going up. That is going to cause a hyperinflationary scenario, especially when you consider the, how borked supply chains are due to lockdowns of the economy and the inability of our elected officials to inject sane energy policy globally. It's just, it's just the nature of the decisions that have been made over the last many decades. It's, it seems like it's coming to a head now. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, what else do we got on the list? We could talk about this. I could talk about this for fucking hours. Well, dude. we've been talking about Coinbase. Cash App also released their earnings. Um, yeah, what was the what one, was the stat? One point seven three billion in Bitcoin sales in Q one, and they made a forty three million dollar profit off of that. And just like you, you look at two different strategies, right? Where like Cash App stays super focused and Bitcoin focused long-term building strong foundations and then coinbase just builds like this ridiculous shitcoin casino and just dumps on all their users and they don't even dump correctly they can't even dump and make a profit it's like it's embarrassing well, coinbase be, doesn't make a profit but their partners make it on that shit i'd be embarrassed if i if i were working at coinbase sorry to any of you freaks who are but get out um some rosy valuation news. Chain analysis. <laughs> rosy valuation. Fuck you, Marty. I'm fucking with you. Valuations are going up. <laughs> Crypto forensic startup chain analysis raises $170 million and $8.6 billion valuation. Um, as long as these surveillance firms are valued on anything over fucking sat, like our job is not done. No, we got to keep working. Who, who gave these guys money? Benchmark. Who, Singapore Sovereign Wealth Fund. Interesting. Benchmark, Excel, Paradigm, and Co2. Um, they opened was, offices in Singapore and Tokyo in 2020. It was led by the Singapore Wealth Fund, yeah. Sovereign Wealth Fund. Yeah. Series F. They're already on their Series F. I mean, it just goes to show like how privacy how important privacy is in this space if if these surveillance firms are some of the most valuable, resilient companies in the space. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a signal right there. You'll know that we're winning the privacy battle when these guys start losing money because nobody wants to buy their services because they don't work. That's also what was really interesting. Uh, you know, obviously this is a Bitcoin show, so we focus on Bitcoin privacy when we talk about privacy. Um, but a lot of these other chains have even worse privacy situations and all the Luna trading and stuff, a lot of it happens on chain. So there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of like Twitter accounts and stuff that were like tracking all of these purchases while they were happening, like who was making them, how much they were making. Um, just goes to show like how much work needs to be done in the space on the privacy side. I want aren't all the other chains 
They're sort of, I mean, the chains that enable like ICO token spinning because they're all they use the state model over the UTXO model, right? So and that inherently is privacy fucked. So like, so they're so uh, the block, the block crypto, for instance, had this article, right? Uh, the Quadriga co-founder Michael Patron or Patron traded the the Terra crash for a seven hundred sixty thousand dollar gain, and like he didn't release a press release or anything. They just knew his fucking address on chain, the Ethereum address, and they watched him make all the trades on chain. And then they wrote an article about his personal transactions. Like that is fucking crazy. Like yeah. that is not the financial future I want to live in. Um, where some random news article can say what trades I made and how much I made. This fucking dystopian shit. Yeah. Hey, the block. They're gonna be tracking you on chain. They probably they're probably chain analysis customers, you know. Um, yeah, it's 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 funny because Bitcoin is such a shining beacon on the hill. Like we can have all this incredible freedom free markets, sound money, peer-to-peer markets. And yet, like it's 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 coming of age at the end of this empire collapse and this collapse of our incumbent financial monetary political system. And it's just very interesting seeing the dichotomy of like like the goal that Bitcoin puts forth and the mission of Bitcoin in the middle of the blow off top of all this excess exuberance and bullshit fiat uh, of which of which I would argue crypto is a part of. Look at this. The, I just wanted to just touch on this article because this is this was pretty crazy to me. Um, while some were cautious that the token could fall lower, Patron's address took the bet that it would return towards parity. According to our analysis by Peck Shield, I guess that's like a shitcoin surveillance firm. He swapped $2.8 million worth of Tether for $3.88 million of UST of, of Terra when it was near its lowest. And then at that point, it rose, it was, it was rising back. The peg was being defended to 94 cents. And then he sold it back for $3.5 million worth of Tether, resulting in a 760000 profit. And then he bridged some of the funds over to the Avalanche blockchain. Like they were like <laughs> literally just. You know, some bloggers are just like watching this guy's fucking trades. That's insane. That is fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. And these are big numbers too, right? It's not like, I don't know. It's crazy. It is very crazy. But again, like, just think about like, anybody who's like, oh, like crypto's got like a lot of utility. Just listen to what Matt just said. The rigmarole that, that Quadriga <laughs> X guy had to go through. Party. <laughs> what, what is it? It's rigmarole, right? Rigmarole, whatever. You <laughs> <laughs> listen. To the, I'm going to take coins here, put them on this blockchain, bridge them over here, rehypothecate them here, get my yield here. It's all fucking pon. I mean, it, they they they're pretty blatant with it. They define it as Ponzi, Ponzi finance. I, I mean, you had Sam Blankenfein, SBF from S- FTX on. Wait, wait that's on, not his name. Sam Bankman Fried. Yeah, that guy. Whatever his name is. Um, Would you just mix like Lloyd Blank? Blank yeah, yeah, I, I brought in Lloyd. Whatever. <laughs> the, the vegan with man tits who runs the chop shop out of the Cayman Islands, that guy. Um, 
He, I mean, he was on Joe Weisenthal. He was on Odd Lots with Joe Weisenthal, and I believe Matt Levine joined him for that episode. And he was like openly, per, like encouraging these Ponzi schemes and acting like it's some novel financial structure that that crypto is enabling, and it's it's nothing more than a casino and a game of Russian roulette where you're gonna get absolutely mo most of you are gonna get your dicks pushed in. You're gonna get shot in the fucking head. You're gonna pull the trigger. And it's going to be loaded with a bullet. Like these people with big money are just throwing it around, trying to get hype up. I mean, Novo is one of those guys who got a fucking tattoo. He's like, yeah, we're, we're part of the Luna community. It's like, no, these people are fucking playing you. They don't care about this shit at the end of the day. They want to get their gains. They don't care if you can't put gas in your car or you burn your, your life savings. They'll, they'll act, they'll posture. Like it's innovative, it's decentralized finance, it's the future, really. It's just a mechanism for them to take money from you and put it in their pockets. So be aware, you learned a lesson this week. Don't get tempted, they're siren calls. Quite literally siren calls, because they look sexy. It's like, ooh, look, Novo got a tattoo, it looks cool. He's, he's dresses like a douche, but I, I sort of want to dress like a douche. Maybe I could do that. I mean, these people need to be called out. There's a lot of people with with major, major uh, pie on their face with this blow up. Yeah, what do you, there's what do you a have? lot of tweets, oh, a yeah. lot of podcasts, a lot of public appearances. Um, and just know, specifically with Terra, there was a lot of shitcoin apologists that were like, "If you're a Bitcoiner, you should be supporting this. This is good for the ecosystem." Yeah, yada, yada, yada. Eric Wall. Let's name names. Pomp even Pomp. got into it. Novo. Novo. There's a lot. Yeah. I mean, come on. Probably people. Ari Paul. I don't know. He's had me blocked for three years. I wouldn't be. I'm pretty sure Black Block Tower <laughs> invested in it. So yeah, he's probably in there. Yeah, uh, Block Tower is probably neck deep in that shit. Yeah. Um, these people are not your friends. They're not innovators either. These people are building shit. They're just like writing code that spins shit up. It's nothing innovative. It's a mechanism to take your money. Um, all right, we'll get to shout outs. We have one shout out this week. Wait, before we do shout outs, uh, we could do shout outs and we'll do it after. It's fine. Okay. Long time, first time. I'm an avid listener and I have to say I don't agree with you two nerds trashing the U.S. dollar and contributing to its demise. <laughs> As a 32nd District's U.S. representative, it's my duty to fight for the people I'm here to protect. The banks. You guys are blatantly un-American by empathizing with the 7 billion people outside our country who have to worry about the value of their money on a daily basis. You push for decentralization, but push ahead without thinking of what really matters here. My cash flow. So to those listening to this in Southern California, don't forget to vote for me in the primary June, this June, to support the House of Representatives and the cleansing of the Bitcoin network. Ignore traders running against me, such as Erica Rhodes, who value Bitcoin and what it can do for individuals in our country and throughout the, f the world. Fucking gross. Keep up the lulls, Brad Sherman. What's up, Brad? Thanks, Brad. Appreciate the support. Thanks for the sats, Brad. And you sent that on chain, so you're destroying the environment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you should have used lightning. Brad, you Fucking hypocrite. Brad Sherman, man. Complaining about Bitcoin's environmental impact and then sending an on-chain transaction 
It gets settled by miners. How many whales die every on-chain transaction? At least three. <laughs> At least. Small, they're the smaller size whales. They're not the not humpbacks. Yeah. <laughs> I had a bad like whaling joke there. <laughs> Isn't there like a, yeah. I'm not gonna say it. Save the whales. That's all I'll say. <laughs> so you skip we skipped on the list one of like the biggest stories oh, oh shit yeah i'm sorry that got kind of hidden with all this bullshit that blew up which is uh the u.s treasury sanctioned a custodial mixing service uh called blender.io um it is the first custodial mixing service to ever be put on the u.s sanctions list um in the past custodial mixing services had been treated like criminal entities but they haven't actually been officially sanctioned um and just to be clear here Custodial mixing service is is uh, very different from using CoinJoin. Custodial mixing service is you send someone Bitcoin and they take custody of it and then they send you someone else's Bitcoin. And on chain, that gives you really good privacy if you trust the actual mixing service um, because obviously the mixing service knows which Bitcoin you sent and which one came after, which one they sent back. CoinJoin is a collaborative transaction. So it's a it's a Bitcoin send transaction that multiple people do at the same time without giving custody up. Um, and then they have a have a shared history going forward. Um, so this is is I mean, it's interesting from the point of view that the US Treasury is paying attention here. Um, that's not very surprising. One thing people don't realize is, you know, in our little bubble or whatever, you would think people don't use custodial mixers anymore, that people just use collaborative transactions, that people just use coin joints. Custodial mixing use is, is still significantly higher than any kind of collaborative transaction use. It's the n- number one way that people use uh, to try and have better privacy when using Bitcoin or other chains. Um, in this case, Blender was also, based on on-chain analysis, uh, based on 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 chain analysis like we're using wasabi right they were using wasabi in the back end for some of their stuff um so they would do the custodial mixing process but also they would be putting funds through wasabi as well um just an interesting development that should be on people's radar um i would also add that as far as i'm aware um there have been multiple criminal pot prosecutions and cases on operating custodial mixing services, but I do not know of any times where the users are getting actually criminally prosecuted. Now, of course, that could change. Um, and also using a custodial mixing service is not your keys, not your coins. Um, but I would say it's it, this also shows that there's a, there's a huge educational element, right? That when we're talking about collaborative transactions, that we're clear that that's not mixing, right? That is completely different. Um, than custodial custodial mixing services. Yeah. Be aware of the nuances, the differences, and the risks that, that come along. Uh, do not use a custodial mixer. You will definitely get fucked because that mixer will get shut down. If you have a Bitcoin on it, that's gone. Potentially, they begin going after customers down the road. You can What's actually list. interesting because if you... Custodial mixers are give you more concrete on-chain privacy guarantees if you trust the mixer. But that's a big trust. It's it's almost like a VPN model, um, like a hosted VPN model, where you're putting complete trust and faith in the operator of the mixer. And it could be a honeypot. It could be run by, you know, a malicious individual or entity or government. 
Um, but on chain, like there is no, there's no connection between the transaction you send them and the transaction they send you back. It's completely different Bitcoin. Um, so there is, there is, uh, uh, there's privacy reasons to potentially use it. Um, I think in general, you know, just use collaborative transactions. It's not worth it, but, uh, that's why there's a, there's a huge contingent of Bitcoin users that still rely on custodial mixers, uh, speci specifically in like the dark market circles and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there was, there was another point I wanted to make, but yeah, custodial mixers. I don't know. I mean, the treasury is looking and actually talking, I mean, these treasury looking people are like, all right, regulation coming. Uh, I was having a conversation in here in the commons too, about the Coinbase thing specifically, uh, and some interesting conversations apparently going on behind the scenes with a lot of these large exchanges and institutional investors that want to get into the space from Wall Street is that they're worried that Gary Gensler and the SEC is going to be instituting some crazy reserve requirements. We're, we're talking like if you have hold Bitcoin as an exchange or as a custodian, the, the rumor is that Gary Gensler and crew are going to try to mandate that you have a reserve that is 1250% above what you're holding, which is insane. That would, that would grind the industry on the exchange custodial side to a halt. And so with that going on in the background as well, I would not be surprised if that contributed to the fall in price that we've seen this week as people get hyper scared of regulation, apparently. Behind the scenes, there's a lot of talk of that coming soon too, which would yeah. Be I mean, I don't think we've seen anything yet, really, in the form of regulatory attack. Like it's going to get a lot worse. We're definitely not in the then they fight us stage yet. Like it's get, it's going to get significantly worse. I think on that front. Um, I remember the point I was going to say is that pretty much every any custodial wallet essentially operates as a naive uh, Bitcoin mixer. Yeah. Um, and when I say naive, I mean, because most of the popular custodial mixers like have different schemes in place to, to, to disconnect which Bitcoin you get from which Bitcoin you send. But, you know, if you send into, uh, like a custodial wallet and then you wait like a couple of days and you withdraw from the custodial wallet, nine times out of 10, you're getting someone else's Bitcoin. And the only people that can track that on chain is the custodial operator because you're trusting them fully in that situation. Um, and that's why most custodial services end up being forced to add KYC um, because regulators look at that and say, you know, you're, you're allowing people to go in and out of your service and gain privacy out of that. Yeah. <sighs> Be aware, nuance, trade-offs, Back to the regulatory tax. They have not started yet. That's the interesting thing. That's the thing. Oh, God. The reserve requirements would be insane. Like insane to the point where it's like untenable, where if that does attempt to be thrust on the industry, again, going back to like corporate disobedience, like I think that's where the line should be drawn. Like this is untenable. Why is that where the line? Well, how is that any more onerous right. than like the insane KYC requirements? I agree. That I agree. Require? But obviously, they haven't drawn that line. Uh, they they're they're willing to seed that ground. Like if this rumor is true behind the scenes, and new people 
at these large custodians and institutions are having these discussions and you're worried about it, like start speaking up. Like I shouldn't, you shouldn't have fucking Marty bent on RHR leaking this to the market. Like, but like also like build your product. So like you're not taking custody. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're not a custodian, that doesn't affect you. No. But again, yeah, there, apparently people are freaking out behind the scenes because it could have like a chilling effect on the ability for a lot of these OTC desks to operate and it could lead to like a liquidity crunch. Who knows? Maybe it, it actually is good for the price because people can't move Bitcoin. But I've long yeah. held that like if you're a regulated Bitcoin custodian, you're just a masochist. Like I don't know why. <laughs> why you'd, I know that they make a shit ton of money, but that does not sound like a way I want to live my life. Yeah. Like they just get cucked left and right. They just fucking take it. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing too. Like with, with all this, the calamity going on in energy markets, food markets, stock markets, real estate, the political crisis, you have Biden administration and the Congress and Senate, both Republican and Democrats at a time where things were obviously hitting the fan here at home, arguing over $40 billion in weapons deals to Ukraine and taking $40 billion of taxpayer money and sending it over there when we have very big problems here at home. Financial system, credit markets are beginning to seize up. The emperor wears no clothes. Why would we listen to these people? Like they, they fucked up the energy. They fucked up the food. They fucked up the financial system. They're fucking up people's lives materially. Like Bitcoin is our best way out of this. Like as an industry, as Bitcoiners, as individuals who want a better life, a better future for our children, this is where you draw the line in the sand. You say, no, you fucked everything up. Literally everything. You fucked up the energy, you fucked up the food, you fucked up money, you fucked up finance. We're not listening to you anymore. Like this regulation, we're just not going to abide by it because you are getting in the way with all these regulations, with all these policies, with all these manipulations of monetary policy. You do not wear any clothes. These people are making things materially worse off. Like it is time to say no. You can just say no. It's that's the crazy thing. You just say no. And at the end of the day, Bitcoin specifically, it's computer software. Like unless they come, and you're probably afraid of this, but I would I would argue maybe we have to force this issue and like really get the optics of it to the public. At the end of the day, they want to stop you from broadcasting a Bitcoin transaction. They have to come to your office and physically prevent you from hitting the enter button or hitting the click button, the send transaction button. And maybe it does get to that point, but maybe that's what we need to do as an industry is let it get to that point and then blow it the fuck up on social media and get the optics of the state stepping in and trying to prevent people from interacting in a peer-to-peer fashion, in a peaceful fashion, most importantly, in a very peaceful fashion, uh, because they don't like what we're doing because they don't have control of it. Like Enough is enough. These people are literally ruining the world. Like People are going to die because of the policies that have been implemented in the financial, energy, and food systems, which are the three most important pillars of our society. They've completely destroyed all of it. Like we're, I'm, people are, babies are going to die because there's not enough formula out there. Like it's going to happen. People are dying in other parts of the world because they have food shortages. Jeet Sidhu just sent me a DM in Sri Lanka. Uh, like the farmers, like they, the crop yield this year 
was completely bunk because they implemented these ESG policies that like didn't allow enough crops to grow. They can't fucking feed people in Sri Lanka right now because the crops failed because of these stupid fucking policies. It's not just here in the United States. It's everywhere. All these kleptocratic politicians who are completely disconnected and most of the time do not suffer the consequences of their policies are ruining the world. You can get into the conspiracy if it's World Economic Forum and like some like fucking puppet masters doing it. Who knows? I don't care if it's, if it is that what we do know is that this is a situation. This is happening right now. It is here. It is on our doorstep. We're in the thick of it and it's time to stand up and say, fuck you. Leave me alone. I'm going to go build a better future. Stop me from trying to do so. I respect the sentiment. Thank you, sir. I liked you channeled your inner Roger Veer with the babies are dying. (laughs) (laughs) More babies are dying. I mean, it's it's fucked up to say, but I mean, this may actually be like, this may actually happen. Like, because of fucked up policy. Uh, I will say though, like right in the beginning of your rant or whatever, I respect, I like, I, I pretty much completely agree with the sentiment. But like right in the beginning of your ranch, you're like, they're going to have to like come in your office and stop you from pressing the enter button. Like if, if they banned Bitcoin wallets from the app store tomorrow, like 99% of, of people in this space would be running around with their heads cut off. <laughs> it would be, that's, a good, that's a good point. I mean, we'd learn, hopefully it'd be a learning lesson and then people would figure it out, but it would be a major setback. Like there, there'd be a lot of people that'd be like, I can't access my Bitcoin. I have no idea how to spend Bitcoin or whatever. Write your seed phrase down, freaks. Write your seed phrase down. Like there was a ledger bug. There's there's like a ledger bug that's affecting the view, the the balance view in the app on how much Bitcoin you have. And like I had a buddy who reached out yesterday, two days ago, just like freaking out that his Bitcoin balance was incorrect. Like that was just a UI bug. And he's been in the space for, you know, seven years or six years or something. Yeah. Just responded back, deep breath. Deep breath. You're going to find it. I've had a lot of those situations. There's a, do you have your seed phrase? Have your, write your seed phrases down for you and secure them properly. They can take the apps off the app store. As long as you have that seed phrase. Come to, to uncle, come to uncles, Matt and Marty. We'll tell you, tell you how to recover and get access to your Bitcoin. But again, all this, all this will only make us stronger. Maybe it'll trip up in the, the short term, but, and they're going to try to do this. But again, it's just, it's, I will beat this drum. It's like all it takes is for, again, going back to what I said like a month or two ago, like I am smart. Like, just stand up and say, no, you're not doing this. No. Leave me the fuck alone. Um, software updates. As everything goes to shit, and the chaos increases and the insanity escalates. People are still building. Join market version 0.9.6 has been released. This is a new one. RT version 0.3.0 Tor Rust client has been released. So what is this? It's a just a Tor, Tor client written in Rust. <laughs> just a Tor client. Uh, it's not it's like in beta, it's testing, but I thought it was cool that they were building one from scratch in Rust. Rust is hot these days. Talking a lot about Rust with Justin Moon. Um, 
I just feel like Tor has been making a lot of moves lately, which is good to see. Yeah, they, we're heavily relying on it. They cleared up their congestion last week, right? Um, their congestion problems. Um, but I mean, they at least seemed to make the performance and the speed better last week with their change. I think they called it congestion control. Yeah. 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 Uh, this is pretty cool. Casa announces a new API and a Series A round. They raised $21 million. I'm not sure what the valuation was at. Um. They didn't announce what the valuation was. Yeah. So, but the API is the cool part of this uh, press release. So, like, basically, app developers can have their users keep funds in a Casa multisig and then interact with it in their app or whatever. Yeah, and the 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 user doesn't have to give up an XPub or anything. They'd be very granular with the information they disclose, so they're not. Just open kimono to to the apps interacting with this API. It's pretty cool. In general, like I mean, there's obviously trade offs to Casa's uh, service. Like you don't have, uh, you don't use your own node. You're trusting them with their privacy. Um, but I like the idea of of separating tasks. You know, where you have one project that's focused on actually securing your Bitcoin, and then other projects that are focused on letting you interact and use that Bitcoin without needing to like build a whole wallet stack. So I like that as a concept. It's a cool concept. Yeah. I mean, uh, Nick is going to come on the show in the next few weeks to talk about the API. Cool. Um, Rusty Russell released an alternative covenants proposal, OptX. Uh, I was talking Way to... Way better name. I was talking to Buck about this yesterday, Buck Purley here at Unchained. Um, seems what to be, did you say? Uh, interesting, still diving into it. Um, seems to be, I think the way he prefaced it was an interesting uh, compromise, I guess, over some of the debates going on with OptX. I think OptX Yeah, is, it seems really appealing. Yeah. Um, so what's funny is like, so two weeks ago on Rabbit Hole Recap, I said, I was going to do a CTV episode on BIP 119 and CTV uh, for Dispatch. And I reached out to Rusty and Shinobi and I was like, let's do this thing. And Rusty was like, <laughs> Rusty was like, give me I would a week. love to come on. What? This is like, give me a week. Well, he's like, like, I would love to come on Dispatch, but why do we have to talk about this topic? And it was like, because all the Bitcoiners were like, they're just kind of like, a lot of us were just like hoping that, you know, we just didn't have to deal with it. And like, there were, there were just like, it, there was not any threshold. And, our hands have been kind of pushed in terms of having to discuss it and discuss the different trade-offs and everything, um, which is good. Like open debate and discussion is good. But then Rusty was like, I've been delaying releasing my alternative proposal and I'll get it done. So he released it the, the morning of dispatch this week. He like got it out at like the last minute, submitted it to the mailing list. And then him and Shinobi joined me on dispatch. So, if you're interested in the covenants discussion, if you're interested in just Bitcoin upgrades going forward, we talked more generally about Bitcoin upgrades going forward. And we talked about his proposal and we talked about Jeremy's proposal um, for covenants. Uh, definitely go give that a listen. I think it's uh, it was like an hour and a half episode. Pretty easy to digest. Just search Civil Dispatch on your favorite podcast app. It's the most recent episode. Go check it out. It was uh, funny. I was looking at the Core Lightning GitHub repository yesterday and it's crazy if you go into that uh, that repository it's insane how much work rusty does on core lightning alone like yeah dude's a fucking legend yeah i mean and the fact that he's able to like do all that work on 
the lightning implementation and then think about like these covenant shit and release it to the mailing list is extremely impressive. Shout out to Rusty, Shinobi, everybody discussing, working on, reviewing, writing code. You guys are extremely important to the space. And, and that's a beautiful thing. Like there's a lot of people with competing views here too. Not everybody that's building this stuff agrees hundred percent on everything within Bitcoin, outside of Bitcoin, in life, philosophically, but Bitcoin is this one common denominator where we can all, despite our differences, agree that this is something that the world needs. And you would set aside those differences and and work to bring about a better life for our children, grandchildren, and humans beyond. Speaking of open source, Spiral released a post on uh, how they approach uh, sustainable open source Bitcoin development and their thoughts on the subject. Um, so they talk about identifying project, community development, uh, multi-entity funding, trying to partner with other people and uh, how to do this in a sustainable fashion. So it's a nice little blog post there. Um, if you guys want to read about how they're viewing it and very interesting, obviously Matt has open sats uh, where they're contributing to open source uh, Bitcoin development, we've we've here at TFTC contributed to open source development. And I think it's a good segue. Should we make the announcements for 1031? Yeah. Fuck uh, yeah. Excited yeah. about this. I am as well. So at 1031, as some of you may know, or if you don't know, uh, we give up a lion's share of our management fee uh, for grants uh, in the Bitcoin space, open or supporting open source development and projects that are looking for funding to build out things that are value added to the Bitcoin stack. And we recently gave a one Bitcoin grant to the Fediment project, uh, which is being run by Obi Naswu, uh, Eric Sverson, and others who are working on Fediment. I think it's Syrian. Syria, yeah. Syrian, yes. My bad. I'm terrible with names. Yeah, shout out to Obi and Eric and everyone else working on Fediments. Uh, just a reminder, uh, so first of all, there, they had Obi had a great presentation and then there was a follow-up conversation ending off the open source stage. So if you haven't watched that at Bitcoin 2022, go check that out on, on BitcoinTV.com or YouTube. Um, but Federated Charming Mints is this idea um, that 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 we could have a privacy preserving, very user friendly wallets um, that that are semi custodial. So they're, they're instead of a single custodian, you can have a federated custodian. So you have like fifteen custodians, and a threshold of them have to collude to steal your money. And you have better privacy guarantees because the custodians you have privacy from the custodians because you have multiple people using that that federated custodial wallet with with charming eCash built in you have you have privacy when you interact with bitcoin in general and in practice what it could look like what you, we hope it looks like is this idea that you just have like a mobile lightning wallet that can interact with the greater lightning network can pay with any lightning invoice uh can receive from any lightning invoice you don't have any channel management you don't have any liquidity things to deal with you don't have to use your own node but you have extremely good privacy guarantees and it's all extremely easy to use and it's cheaper than you not using that as your process. And the main trade-off is, you know, if like eight of 15 of the custodians collude, they can take your money. Yeah. 
So cool trade-off balance. Very cool trade-off balance. And I'm very excited. I mean, Eric is a top-notch developer. They're building building out Fediment, the, the open source protocol in Rust. And just from people that I've heard who have worked with him really tout his ability to to write really clean code and and think about this stuff uh, very clearly on the development side. And then you have Obi, who, if you don't know, ran CoinFloor, which was a, a British Bitcoin exchange. Bitcoin only was Bitcoin only for years. He was the first person to they were the first exchange to do proof of reserves they started in 2014 like the first larger one yeah they started in 2014 and did it every month uh until uh coin coin floor got sold earlier this year or last year um and obi's just stand-up gentleman incredible thinker really passionate about i mean he he explains it in his keynote at bitcoin 2022 that, like he left coin floor because he felt like there was this problem like he was enabling uh the centralization of custody to third parties and really is passionate about making sure that people have better custody solutions obviously it's not full self-custody but this federated model is a step in the right way to to create better custody assurances for individuals and then the privacy benefits that matt mentioned are obviously something that we're very excited about as well so we have zach saying like isn't that similar to how liquid works with the federated model. Like the key difference here is first of all, you have the charming eCash component. So you have privacy from the federated members. And the second key thing is, is that the idea is that it, that it's a, a lightning enabled federation. So the beauty there is you never have to swap between chains. Like right now, if you're using liquid, you have to actually do a swap uh, between Bitcoin and, and liquid Bitcoin, or you can do a peg in and a peg out that whole process. But there there's, it's two distinct chains with this model. Like the idea is you could have a bunch of local community, what effects to be banks, right? So like maybe your local community or your region has a federation of 15 people running 15, you know, people running their federated Chamian wallet. And then there's like a bunch of other ones and they can all interact with each other because it's just lightning native. So you can just pay any lightning invoice uh, and receive from any lightning wallet. Or you could just be paying someone that has their is using their own full node or is using a light wallet or something. Um, so it's fully interoperable with the lightning network is the plan. Um, and that makes it very, very powerful. And it, it's a very cool trade off balance. So there's a good combination there. It seems very practical. Yeah, it's much more interoperable. And yeah. then what like a liquid solution would be. Um, and obviously Blockstream is behind liquid. They're also supporting Eric in the build out of this. So, I mean, I, I think there is a lot of signal behind these Chami immense. They may, I mean, I've been talking about them for over a year now or almost a year. I think Eric announced Fediment last June or July. Um, and it's just crazy to see how far he's taken it so far. And we're extremely excited to be supporting them, Obi and Eric, as they work to build out Fediment. So I also had Eric on Sill Dispatch. That was a really good conversation. Uh if you freaks are interested. But I'm I'm very excited that we got to support them in this. This is a big one. Yeah. Really important project. I appreciate I appreciate everyone who's working on it. Likewise. This is pretty scary. I would expect that like Georgetown Law wouldn't be over them. I feel like they're like on on like the DC snitch side, but they're uh, <laughs> highlighting uh, that it's going to do them like that. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They did a two year research paper on this. <laughs> just fucking, fucking rats. So they they basically <laughs> the research paper um, found that 
ICE, I forget what it stands for, but it's like the immigration customs enforcement, customs enforcement, um, which gets a lot of flack uh, for harassing immigrants and stuff like that. And you would think that they're only focused on enforcing things going on at the border and finding illegal immigrants. But what they found in their research, uh, the Georgetown Law Center on Privacy and Technology, they found that ICE, something that is supposed to be dedicated to immigration and focusing on the border and illegal entry into the United States, they're actually surveilling 75% of United States citizens, collecting data, tracking 75% of all Americans. Um, there's 330 This should million. not be surprising to you, but this should be alarming and it should concern you. It should not be fucking happening. Yeah, over 200, um, over 200 million people. I don't think... There's 230 million illegal immigrants. So you think two thirds of the country is? No, I mean this study specifically is saying that it's American citizens, Marty. Yeah, I know. I know. Like I was, that's I not being, even including. I was, I was being those coy. numbers that that those numbers aren't even including the illegal immigrants in those numbers. Yeah. So again, uh, three letter agency run amok. They don't care about you. They don't. They don't stay in their lane. They don't play by the letter of the law. They don't care about you. They're surveilling so, you. Fuck these there's, people. There's a couple takeaways here. Uh, first of all, we're seeing the same trend where they're getting around the requirement for warrants when spying on Americans by buying data uh, from companies that are already collecting data on us because they monetize the data and it's their business model to basically treat us uh, like data, data cattle. Um, and then they're also using driver's licenses, right? Where you dox yourself to the government. So they already have that information. They're using license plates. We see those license plate readers everywhere, right? As you drive around the country, uh, they are tracking your license plate and seeing where you go. Um, and they're using utility records, which, you know, pretty much every American that lives in a home has to pay utility records. Uh, so they're using utility records for tracking as well. And I, I, I can pretty much guarantee you, it doesn't say specifically in here that, you know, credit card information is, is part of that uh, data purchasing that they're doing from buying data from private companies is, you know, you go, you go on a trip or something and, you know, buy gas here, or buy a sandwich here and all that data is being used against us. Why? Like, why, why are they doing this? They spent over $2.8 billion between 2008 and 2020, 2021 to spy on us. That's just ICE alone. Like we have intelligence agencies. Like we have, we have the CIA, we have the NSA, we have the FBI. Uh, but now ICE as well is, is they're all being turned into surveillance agencies, basically. These people hate you. Stop, stop enabling them. We need to defund all these agencies, people like defund the police was like the big, like red herring. You need to defund all these al alphabet soup agencies. And there's no better way to do that than to bring a, a Bitcoin standard to fruition. Uh, a Bitcoin standard, which most people are holding their own keys using best privacy practices and standing up and saying, no, no ice. You're supposed to be at the border. Stop tracking me. Why are you tracking me? Do you think I'm one of the 75% of Americans being tracked or one of the 25% that's not being tracked? I, Of course you're not being tracked, Marty. It's good to know. It's good to know.
Um, moving on. I wouldn't be surprised if that number's higher than 75%. Yeah, it was like, I like, for most people that read 75%, they're like, oh, that's alarming. I'm like, oh, that's not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> uh, you, you were, you were nothing more than something to be controlled by three letter agency freaks. That's how they view you. You need to be tracked. You need to be, your hand needs to be held. You need to be surveilled. Don't do this. Don't do that. Stop talking this way. Stop purchasing these goods. Be a good citizen. Uh, oh, Neil, data cattle. On a positive note, I got to, uh, I got to kick it with Neil for the last three days. We've been getting trashed. <laughs> How many white claws? I picked him up from the airport with a, uh, a 24 ounce white claw. And oh, a couple wow. were waiting for him. You're an enabler. He had never seen a white claw that large before. You're an enabler. And then we, me, him, and my lady finished a whole bottle of tequila at ourselves. That was a fun night. Ooh. He's on your porch. Is he really on my fucking porch right now? <laughs> he might be. Hey, the only podcast where we'll pick you up from the airport, okay? This is the, this is the RHR difference. What do we got next? Grayscale. Barry. Going hat in hand to the SEC. Please, uh, please. Let us turn GBTC into an ETF. We need to unlock $8 billion for our investors. The uh, GBTC discount is pretty significant right now. Clark still have it on the dashboard? It's like 25% or something. I think it's even more than that right now. I'm so glad the they dashboard? don't have an ETF yet. Like, what did... How much Bitcoin does it say they have? Three and a half percent of all Bitcoin. They have eight billion. They're trading like, at five hundred thirty-eight. I hope they don't get the ETF anytime soon. We don't need them. We don't need them to scoop up much more of that. Please, sir, please let us convert this to an ETF. I mean, now it's like, hey, now you got like base D SEC out, base three-letter agency, no ETF. We want people to custody their coins. Maybe that's why they're doing restrict reserve requirements. They want to force the exchanges to force people to hold their own Bitcoin. Maybe our fifth pillar SEC agent is really, he's playing 5D chess. Up the reserve requirements so you're forced to force people to hold their keys. And don't let an ETF come to market because that would disincentivize people from holding keys. Maybe the SEC is our fifth pillar agency here. Nope. This is your worst conspiracy theory. It's my favorite one. It's the a fifth pillar SEC. <laughs> uh, this doesn't seem very good. Costa Rica declares a national emergency after the Conti ransomware attack. So a lot of the Costa Rican infrastructure is getting ransomware attacked. Um, I put this one in there for you. Why? Because I'm for that Puerto Vida lifestyle? No, because this is like... Uh... I don't know, like the cyber pandemic or whatever. Yeah, that's sort of fallen by the way. Like so. nation states, nation states doing uh, national emergencies, declaring national emergencies over ransomware that that is requiring Bitcoin ransoms. Yeah, and they denied they denied the ransom. They said no to the ransom. Um, there's a new president. He just he got sworn into office, and the same day he declared a national emergency. Um, 
And it's it's a com it's one of these like new style ransomware attacks where they also steal the data. So they dumped a bunch of data. Six hundred and seventy two um, gigabytes worth. Yeah. When when they declined to pay the ransom, the Conti ransomware group uh dumped all like, the data. I sort of like this. They they dumped six hundred and seventy two gigabytes worth of data belonging to the Costa Rican government agencies. So you don't think this is a psyop, but you think Terra is? Could be. I don't know. Like maybe Costa Rica is the test bed. I see how. It's weird that it's Costa Rica. Like why would? Like, I mean, I don't think this is a psyop. I think you know, just these governments just have really insecure systems. <laughs> They're just going to get fucked left and right over yeah, and over again. I agree there. Um, scapegoat. Terra is definitely a psyop, though. You can't convince me otherwise. It's too perfect. It's too perfect. We're going to come full Once circle. Once again, your whole evidence is just like shit corners are greedy. <laughs> greedy and short-sighted. No, my, the, the evidence, the signal of the evidence is Janet Yellen. But that's Green. different. Like if it's, if, if it's, it's them taking perfect. advantage, if it's them taking advantage of a vulnerable shit coin uh, setup, that's a completely different story than them creating it from scratch just to do it. That's more believable. I mean, how hard would it be to, to create this from scratch? Okay. Go spin up this ERC20 token. Daquan. They, but the thing is, they don't need to because the shit corners just do it for them, right? They set up this situation for them. And what, like, this is like a classic shit coin thing. <laughs> it's like the perfect shit coin uh, set up. They love this shit. It's like their ideal Rube Goldberg profit making machine. And that it was just super vulnerable and someone with capital fucking exploited it. And then the government always leans into these things. Well, let me believe it's a CIA psyop for one day. One day. You can believe whatever you want, Marty. I'm fine with it. I'm at peace. I am too. It was it, it probably was the most spectacular shitcoin blow up I've I've witnessed. There's gonna be even better ones in the future. What what have been the best to date? <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to remember them now. Right. Try to think. Yeah, like Black Coin, Blake Coin back in the day. I mean, that dude, uh, I forget his fucking name. Oh, what about uh, uh, Dogecoin Dark that turned to Verge and then. Yep. They had like the multiple mining algos and then. Mm -hmm. Remember Dash? God, remember Dash? But like Dash didn't have like a spe that was just a shitcoin pump and dump, right? Mm -hmm. There was no like spectacular blow up. I mean, Nano blew up. That was just a shitcoin pump and dump too, right? Like there was no spectacular. Yeah, Ethereum is going to be the most spectacular one. This one was like definitely a different beast, right? How yeah. It blew up. I mean, it just took the Ponzi. And like the speed, the speed that it happened. Yeah. And the amount of like hands that were all, you know, burned on, on at the same time. Yeah. I mean, take names, freaks. Remember who was pumping this, telling you it was going to be the next best thing. And remember who gets paraded out on CNBC is, is thought as a leader in this space. People do not give a fuck about you. Well, that's our list. That's our list. What should we riff on? Like an hour and 50 minutes in on this. 
No, no, I got a. I have a long flight and drive after this. I'm a. So my last three weekends have been the same. Like people, you gotta stop traveling, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta pack it in, bro. Friends and family, man. Is there anything more important? No, no. Have them come to you. That's what I would. uh, That's what we've had happen the last few weeks. It's been great. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think people are going to come to me for their wedding and their bachelor party. So. I think you'd be surprised, okay? I think you can, you can try harder. Have your wedding by me, man. Like, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing? Why do I have to travel to your wedding? You should just come here. Yeah, I um, I front run the, uh, I'm front running the, the Beef Initiative Bone Broth Challenge. I started it Tuesday night. I have prior engagements tomorrow night so I couldn't do it tomorrow on Saturday so I'm right now currently 41 hours into a 48 hour fast I really like it dude I, oh awesome I feel like actually I'm not that a hungry time. yeah I feel I'm feeling the uh, the juices are flowing up here it is true what they say if you fast water and bone broth and black coffee for the last 41 hours and I'm, I'm like in it right now feeling good fuck yeah cheers to that so you didn't go to the they what was like lightning bit devs yesterday? What what is it being called? Uh the lightning devs meetup. Ben Woosley and Lisa were leading it last night. Michael Atwood gave a presentation. I did not make it. Um I'm in nesting mode right now. I can only be in here for the exact amount of time that I need to be. And then I get a gotta go home. But I heard it was great. Awesome. Yeah, we had a Nash Bitcoiners yesterday. We had 250 people, new venue. Really fucking vibes were extremely high. We had Yusuf came in from Built with Bitcoin. He presented on on what they're building. Uh, if you're not aware, uh, they've been building schools uh, and other services uh, for, for people around the world uh, using Bitcoin. Uh, and they're a 501c3. So... Um, if you have, I mean, probably not this year, but if you have Bitcoin gains, you can offset them with, <laughs> with donations there or with or to open sets. Um, but it's just like, I know it sounds, I know it sounds super corny, but uh, uh, the real Bitcoin is like the friends you make along the way. And I, <laughs> I, I, you had to go there. I know it's true. Uh, it's true. It's it's just so like. Like I love these like grassroots Bitcoin communities that are just popping up everywhere and just. Well, this is how we win. Extremely bullish on it's, that. This is I how we it. win. Like the, this is like literally these grassroots movements. Bitcoin is a grassroots movement. Moving it into meat space with Nash Bitcoiners. What's going on in here in Austin? There's startups here in Texas, or not startup meetups uh, popping up in Dallas, San Antonio. We've got Houston. There's meetups in Alabama. Lisbon meetup on this Saturday. Lisbon meetup this Saturday if you're in Portugal and you're looking to go to a Bitcoin meetup. There's one in Lisbon. I don't know where, but it's going to be there. Start looking. This is like this grassroots movement. Individuals meet like, I don't want to get corny, but like it just harpens back to like, it reminds me of like the founding fathers, what they do. They met in fucking pubs and bars and were like, how the fuck are we going to do this? This is exactly what's happening now on a bigger scale globally with these Bitcoin meetups and all the tangential grassroots movements that are popping up alongside it, like the beef initiative and, and other stuff. So keep it up, start your Bitcoin meetup, meet in the pub, 
figure out how the hell are we going to do this? Fuck and yeah. And before we wrap it up, I have shitcoin email of the week. We might start this because I get so many of them. Hit us. I don't check my emails. Uh, I'm not going to name names. I'm blank community manager of We Run Crypto, a Web3 agency specializing in marketing and consulting. We work with multiple projects at all times, including successful projects like at MEE6NFT and at part is IMPC. We were wondering what's the process to get featured in your podcast for some of our projects. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Well, dude, you're not going to hear from me. Please stop sending like me these segment. emails. No, I have no more of these segments. Okay. Was worth they, they just got too much promotion there. Yeah, that's a good point. And we that's just had point. like a nice heartfelt Bitcoin community conversation and you just... I ruined it. You just threw in a shitcoiner email. Well, I was, we're making fun of them. We should Yeah, fair enough. Well... Stop emailing me, people. I think we should... Let's wrap it here. I, I love you, freaks. I love you, Marty. And, you know, stay humble and stack sets. Say no. Just say no. Peace and love. Take care.